Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's Monday. This was a busy weekend last weekend. We had Easter and Passover and Ramadan and a full moon. Woo! I hope everyone had a great weekend. I feel exhausted, but here I am. Um, I'm very excited today because you all are going to get to meet Elmar. She is a fantastic thriller writer, and she has a brand new book that will be released on May 1st, but it actually got picked to be an Amazon first read I saw so you can get it early if you're part of the Amazon first reads so um, if you haven't read Elle yet you're in for a treat I'll just read her bio here really quick so you can get to know her Elmar is the number one Amazon Charts best-selling author of The Missing Sister and Lies We Bury. She graduated from UC San Diego before moving to France, where she earned a master's degree from the Sorbonne University in Paris. She's originally from Sacramento and now lives in Oregon with her husband's son and one very demanding feline. I did put a link to her website right there on Blog Talk, so if you are listening live or if you're listening later, you can click that link anytime and check out her books. Um, she also has a little blog of news and events there. You can see secret things of what's coming next. And also, I believe she has a newsletter you can sign up for too. So hop over there when you get a chance. And I don't want to delay any longer. Elle, are you there? I am. Lisa, you covered just about everything. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And we have a connection because I am a San Diego native. I'm currently transplanted in Florida, oh. but been in San Diego my whole life. So you're UC San Diego. So um, that that's a nice yes. connection there. Yeah. Did you that enjoy is. San Diego while you were there? Oh, I loved it. I was there for five years and I, I really didn't ever want to leave. <laughs> right. It's, it's such hard a great to spot. leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm tempted to go back at some point. Right? You need to set a book there and then it can be book research. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> idea. I actually part of my part of my debut thriller The Missing Sister was set in San Diego. But that was years ago now, so I, I need to write another book. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to tell everybody about The Strangers We Know and why they should go pre-order it right now? Absolutely. I would love to. Strangers We Know is um, a book of my heart. It's inspired by true crime headlines as well as my own experience with genetics testing. Strangers We Know follows the main character, Ivy Hahn, who was adopted as a baby and who as an adult takes a genetics test to learn more about an undiagnosed illness that has baffled her doctors. But the results attract the FBI, who share that, according to Ivy's DNA, she's related to the full moon killer, a predator who has terrorized the Pacific Northwest for decades. Not the news you want to hear, right? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so when an online search connects Ivy with her younger cousin, she heads to Rock Island, Washington, to learn more about this woman. And there, Ivy discovers her mother's tragic fate, her father's disappearance, and as she ventures further into a serial killer's home territory, she realizes she may be the next victim of poisonous blood ties. Ooh. So, 
from there, uh, you have to read Strangers We Know to find out what happens to Ivy. But it's, uh, it was a real, it was so much fun writing it. And I truly just had uh, the best time researching it as well. I think uh, there's a lot to be discussed and discovered relating to genetic testing these days and, uh, you know, with ancestry platforms and 23andMe and just, uh, you know, thinking about the long-term revelations and repercussions from that. And definitely Strangers We Know took its inspiration from that. Oh, very cool. And have you done the genetics testing? Um, my daughter did it. I have not, but it was, it was very interesting. And, um, you know, it's, it's very odd, I think, to find all of these connections that you never knew about and no one on your side of the family knew about. So um, have you tried that? <laughs> yes, I have. Actually, my mother is adopted. And so as the child of an adoptee, I had always had a personal interest in these genetics testing platforms that they developed over the years. So I did do my own, I submitted my own spit sample and sent it in via the mail and was um, very anxious to find out the results. Nothing, nothing too exciting there, but I did actually <laughs> connect with um, our biological family from those oh. results and, uh, and I'm very pleased to have a good relationship with them to this day. Oh, that's fantastic. So you were not related to a serial killer. <laughs> well, they don't exactly have that in your test results. There's no tab. <laughs> There's no tab <laughs> to, for that. You know, to, right, to discuss dubious relatives. But uh, no, no, things seem, things seem very well. <laughs> I'm happy to report. Was your mother excited to connect with um, birth family? Was that the first time she had made that connection? Yes, it was. It was. And wow. she was thrilled, of course. We all were. And um, to Ivy's point, to my main character, Ivy's point, I had always been curious about our medical history. I, um, my family is very fortunate. My mother's very fortunate um, in that she needed nothing more than her parents, who were her adoptive parents growing up. And likewise, my grandparents were just amazing people. So I always wanted to seek out more information just for for medical knowledge, just to know what might might lie ahead. So I got some clarity there and then also managed to gain some great new relationships with people that I'm related to by blood. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. And uh, you must be very interested in, like, all the true crime documentaries and things. You mentioned that um, about the book. Are you, are you a sucker for those? I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think sucker is the right word for it. I am definitely a consumer. And I think it's it's really interesting the way that true crime as a whole, as a genre, both across literature and podcasts and movies and shows, has really exploded the last, you know, couple of decades. Um, I I think it's really our, as consumers, um, you know, because there's a delicate balance between consuming that kind of content and, uh, you know, voyeurism, and I think right. as consumers are really trying to figure out how we're trying to understand something totally incomprehensible, something right. some atrocious act that doesn't make sense to most people but made sense to this person and how the, those repercussions really ripple across the families. So um, I think in writing about, certainly for Strangers We Know and taking its inspiration from true crime, uh, my intent is really to shine a spotlight on a different 
subset of that genre relating to genetics testing, and then also to really focus in on the families that are affected by it, both from the victim's perspective and the perpetrator. And I hope that readers uh, grasp onto that intent when they read Strangers We Know. And I think because it deals with, you know, DNA and genetics testing, does your book dive in a little bit to nature versus nurture? I mean, when you find out you're related to a serial killer, you know, is there suddenly a fear that is bloodlust in my DNA? Um, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. There are definitely questions of nature versus nurture. And, and I think being the child of an adoptee myself, I have wondered those same things of how much an environment shaped me versus what lies dormant in my genes. And Ivy has those, uh, she has those same conversations with herself around what does this mean? Does this change who I am? Am I fully formed by the people who loved me and raised me? Or is there something else lurking within my right. DNA? Um, which I think is an interesting, it's an interesting journey that she goes on, fueled by those questions. Right. Oh, that's that's very cool. And when you were writing this book, did because I'm a writer too, and I go down these research holes, and suddenly I'm an expert on whatever. <laughs> did you go down a giant <laughs> research hole about DNA? <laughs> oh, yes, I did. I did. I really did. And certainly... <laughs> Not, 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 I won't toot my own horn too much, obviously. I don't want to be, I don't want to misrepresent myself. <laughs> not from a purely scientific perspective, but certainly from learning how DNA has been utilized uh, from crime scenes to this point and how that, that research and science has evolved in the courtroom. Uh, and also how much there is left for us to understand the law is still catching up to all of the revelations that are possible from DNA testing and from national databases where uh, participants may upload their, their results of their own accord. Um, so it's, it will be, I think, fascinating in the next decade, two decades, to see how DNA testing changes the law and what police investigators are able to utilize and what is barred for privacy purposes. So, yes, right. a serious rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Well, I, as a connoisseur of true crime on Netflix documentaries, um, I was shocked when I watched, um, there's some new one about, like, the Times Square killer from the 70s and how they didn't have oh. DNA back then. And I was, mm -hmm. uh, it was amazing watching, you know, what they tried to do to catch someone because DNA is such a huge game changer for, you know, I would think it's much harder to be a serial killer today as opposed to, mm -hmm. you know, back then when if they didn't have a fingerprint, there was, there was nothing. Um, you know, how, mm -hmm. have you seen that? Do you, do you run into that in writing your thrillers about, you know, how the science is constantly changing? Yes. Absolutely. And I know that documentary that you're referencing, I just thought I haven't watched it myself, but everything about, you know, prior to the early 2000s just strikes me as so much more difficult and nuanced um, and sometimes ambiguous to where it's, it's, uh, it's impressive the number of convictions that were made and also worrisome the number of wrongful convictions as well. Wrong. That's mm -hmm. why we have the Innocence Project. 
Right. Yeah. And so um, it has been really interesting for me to to see that evolution in my research, and it's brought me a greater appreciation for both what we know and what we don't. Yeah, for sure. And I, our listeners usually lean toward toward reading, so I try to you know ask questions readers would be interested in. And what we hear about a lot is, especially with thriller writers, is are you you know are you a big time outliner? Or do you have the whole thing planned out before you write it, or are you figuring it out as you go? Are you just as surprised as your main character? <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I am just as surprised, and I think that's part of the magic of writing for me. I do outline. I must outline it. Writing under contract for me requires outlining and knowing knowing a roadmap in advance. However, right. I make some pit stops. I <laughs> do some U-turns. <laughs> I go off on these, you know, these, uh, these, in these fields of off-roading and uh, I do some discovery as well, in addition to my clear outlined map of the story. And that's what makes writing fun for me um, consistently. That's, that's why I wouldn't do anything else. Um, I will say, since you mentioned that your readers are, are, or your listeners are distinctly readers, um, there are some really great books that I also use for research, like I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. Have you read that, Lisa? No. No, I haven't. Oh, it's fascinating. I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Um, is, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. What's it about? Yeah, it's about, uh, well, it's written by Michelle McNamara, um, and it's a study of the Golden State Killer, uh, which was also a, well, he was first known as the East Area Rapist, and he actually began his crimes in Sacramento, where I'm from, in Sacramento, California. And um, he went uncaptured for, I think, three or four decades. And uh, when I first learned about him, I was shocked that someone could elude capture and identification for decades. But to our original point, you know, the science was not really there in the 70s. Right. Um, to really, really facilitate that quickly. And so Michelle McNamara and All Be Gone in the Dark goes through all of the research um, surrounding the Golden State Killer. And then she actually um, passed away from an untimely death uh, a couple of years before he was actually identified. So um, it's really interesting to go back and review her notes and her detailed research on this, this criminal uh, and then also bring to it as a reader the hindsight of knowing he's been identified, knowing much more about his crimes and his the ripple effects of his crimes and his motivations, um, you know, after a few years. He was arrested in 2018 and he, he was um, convicted in, in his trial in 2020. Um, so this book and certainly the true crime headline of the Golden State Killer were also big influences on me as I was writing Strangers We Know. Right. Yeah. And and it's interesting, since the book came out before he was captured, after he's captured, you have all of these facts and you can compare them to, you know, were they on the right track or not? And that would be really interesting. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So what was your favorite scene in The Strangers We Know? Which scene will stick with you long after you've written other books? Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, that's, 
I mean, that's a great question. And I question. know in a thriller it's, like, it's hard know. because, yeah, you don't want to spoil anything. But <laughs> can you do it without spoiling? Yes, yes, I can. And it's like choosing your children. Right? You spend so much time with these different chapters and these scenes, and um, and uh, it's hard to choose. But I will. I will. I'll be a good guest. <laughs> um, certainly, and without spoilers, I'm, I'm sorry to do this to listeners, but the ending, I really enjoyed writing the ending. I'm terrible at 40 and flip, so I'm going to speak slowly. <laughs> and, and I would say um, there is a camping scene that I really enjoyed writing, not because it was it was a fun scene, but it was pivotal on a few levels. It demonstrated a few different levels of uh, growth for this specific character. So I hope that readers stumble across that camping scene and find that to be intriguing as well. Nice. And in in your book, is there, I know often in thrillers, there's some kind of, you know, a romantic subplot. Um, does she meet someone who helps her, you know, through all this? Or is there anything like that in the book? There, there is a a romantic subplot, but I really don't do, I don't write significant romances in my stories. They are, they are, um, I think they're true to life. And sometimes when we're journeying on really tense, friction-filled right. experiences, like my characters often are, we don't always have the right googly eyes for the attractive person across the table from us. So um, right. I haven't I haven't written like a full <laughs> a, a full thriller romance yet, but in this book, in Strangers We Know, there is a, a flirtation that develops into something oh, else. Okay. Okay. Did you have any big surprises while you were writing it? You said you take pit stops. Was there somebody who showed up on the page and you were like, what? Um, <laughs> did you have a big surprise in there? Yes, I did. I did. I I. <laughs> I'm, I had a few different surprises. As I map out my outline, I also map out my characters. And as I'm writing the story and becoming better acquainted with those characters, I'm learning they do different things than I would have expected of them. They are reacting <laughs> right? in ways that I didn't map out, <laughs> that we didn't agree to up front. Right, those wily so, characters. Yeah, some surprises. Yes. <laughs> Very wise, exactly is the right word. Usually for me, it's very fun when they do that, but occasionally you're like, what? Don't, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes it takes me a little while. I don't know if you feel the same, way, the same way, Lisa, but sometimes it takes me a little while to accept that they would do this different action than what I had planned for them. I'm in denial for at least a couple of more pages. (laughs) (laughs) A little righteous indignation. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well put. So so what did your writing journey look like? Our readers are always really interested because now there's so many paths to get published and all that kind of thing than there were even 10 years ago. How, you know, how did you, did you always want to write? How did you finally see your first book published? That's a great question. And it's one that I was really intrigued by when I was uh, writing before I got my literary agent and my publisher. Uh, you mentioned 10 years. I started writing 10 years ago 
uh, later this fall during National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. Oh, NaNoWriMo, uh, yeah. Good old NaNoWriMo. Have you done NaNoWriMo? <laughs> you know what? I always, I, I never, I never finish NaNoWriMo, and it's funny because I can write fifty thousand words in a month. I yeah. do it often, but I never do mm-hmm. because it's always in November, and you know, yeah. there's traveling and Thanksgiving. I'm like, they pick like the worst month, so I've never finished. I have started many times. <laughs> Yes, and I think a lot of people feel that way. I, I would love to know the um, founders' thinking in choosing November. Yeah, I'm <laughs> for just such like, a daunting task. Been July. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great question. We should ask that person. Uh, right. So I got my I got my start writing uh, actually while I was in France. I was snowed in one winter, and uh, thought I would give NaNoWriMo a whirl and just I fell in love with writing novels. I had written shorter stories and smaller chapters, but never written a full-length novel or novella, 50,000 words. Um, and that experience proved to me that it was possible. And so I kept writing after that and eventually formed, you know, created a story that became my debut thriller, The Missing Sister. Oh, that's so cool. And did you um... – were you studying to be a writer in school or was this just a a right turn that you took in life? This was a right turn. It was uh, (laughs) the moment was right. (laughs) I had some time. I was, I was teaching at a local university in France in Normandy, uh, sociology and psychology as it, as it happens. And I just had more time than I expected. So I sat down and, and attempted it and found that it was a really cathartic and um, great means of of waking me up excited. Oh, I love that. And so I guess if your background is in sociology and psychology, that probably works really well for a thriller writer because do you tap into that when you're coming up with your, you know, killer psyches and stuff like that? (laughs) I try. I certainly try. And to be totally transparent, I had no business teaching sociology and psychology. <laughs> I, I don't have no, a bachelor's your background. Or background in that. No, no, I, have, I, have, I studied different areas. Um, so before I, I mislead your listeners, uh, I was, uh, <laughs> I was taught the content. I was given the content and then I taught the content to students uh, of English. So because I'm a native English speaker uh, with oh, a college degree, uh, then I was, I was then hired for this role. So I, I learned on the job. But it, it taught me a lot about sociology and psychology, and it really allowed me to tap into existing interests that I had. I've always been interested in, in psych and social classes and had taken a fair few myself. Uh, so truly that experience and the research and education I had as I was uh, teaching in the French education system fueled much of my foundational knowledge for writing now as an author. Oh, I love that. And I, I'm a little bit woo-woo out there, but I, I love hearing stories where people were, like, training for this and they didn't know even know it, you know? <laughs> you had all this yes. background and you didn't even know you needed it so that you could be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's that's uh, that's accurate. And I feel the same way. Woo is a good term. I feel the same way about those stories. It's always, it always gives me chills to think back and, 
and look and see, oh, that's where I was going when I was doing that. <laughs> when I thought I was uh-huh, being responsible yeah. by moving to France, right. I was really preparing myself to be an author. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's so cool because sometimes we do things in our life and we don't realize until you look back that that was all supposed to happen. It's all amazing. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I agree. <laughs> So I was poking around on your website and and saw that you have another book that's going to come out. Do you want to tell everybody about what's next for you? Yes, I'm very excited about this. It's titled The Family Bones, and it is set to come out in spring 2023. It can be pre-ordered now. The best way that I can describe it is it is a locked room mystery set in the rural backwoods of eastern Oregon, where a family retreat among psychopaths goes horribly wrong, as <laughs> as it is wont to do. <laughs> so it's so just I'm very like clue with serial killers. <laughs> yes, with the family of serial killers, and it definitely it there are echoes of the same question of nature versus nurture in this book as well. Um, as I was writing Strangers We Know, I was imagining what would happen. Obviously, like we we see we see concentrated kind of vignettes of criminals' lives and criminalistic activity, right? We don't really see the greater picture um, that surrounded that person or that that, uh, accompanied that person to become the criminal that they are. And I really dug into the family dynamics of what would happen if there were multiple socially deviant deviant personalities within one family, and that led me to write The Family Bones. Oh, it sounds fantastic. I'm intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I hope hope readers enjoy it when it comes out in another year. Yeah, that's exciting. And I wanted to ask you, um, because our, our readers are always curious, but do you have certain authors who you, to add to our to-be-read list, um, who you read and you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to get back to the keyboard? You know, what, what kind of books really <laughs> fire you up? Yes, uh, books with great concepts, um, with really great high-level concepts always – make me intrigued and make me think about how I can be a better writer. Um, Certainly, uh, you know, all of the greats, the ones that everyone loves, Gillian Flynn, Stephen King, um, I am a fan of those. But also newer authors, I think, are writing really great ideas and writing really well. In particular, one is Vanessa Lilly, who's debuted a Little Voices, or sorry, Little Voices, was published in 2019, and it just blew me away. Little Voices by Vanessa Lilly. Uh, okay. The the ending is incredible, and it had me immediately go back to the first chapter and read and just start rereading. Um, oh, I so love I'm, that. I'm a big fan of hers. <laughs> I would recommend yeah. it. Still to this day, one of my one of my favorite short stories ever that I always use when I'm when I'm teaching, you know, hooks and twists and things is the lottery because when you get to the end of the lottery by Shirley Jackson, you can go <gasps> and go back to the beginning and see every time that she mentioned the tiny rocks that the kids were collecting, oh. and I'm like, oh my gosh! But that's still one of the best. I love a book where you don't see the ending coming but you can go back and see all the spots where it was laid out 
that you didn't notice. And, you know, those are magical stories when they happen. Yes, they really are. I admire plotting that's that tight. That sounds like a really great book. I have to add that to my list. Oh, yeah. If you've never read Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, it's only a short story. I think it's 10,000 words, but it will stick with you for your whole life. It's it's something. Wow. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like it. It's a classic for a I'll reason. I'll check it out. <laughs> <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, we're rapidly running out of time, but I wanted to find out how readers, how you connect with readers. Are you on social media? Should they go through your website? How can they stay in touch so they find your next book? Thank you for asking that. I am across social media more so than I probably should be. Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, and TikTok, believe it or not. Uh, and I, I just started on TikTok. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's very fun. Very it's very fun. I feel very awkward, but there I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, with growth comes uh, awkward feelings sometimes. I'm right there with you. So, <laughs> We're writers. Uh, We're supposed my... to be awkward, right? <laughs> Exactly. We're exploring the human experience by being on TikTok. <laughs> and so Are you, you just under your name earlier too. Yes, exactly. And okay. uh, for TikTok, I'm at Elmar Books. Okay. Elmar Books, and then Twitter is Elmar underscore, and Facebook and Instagram are Elmar Author. Okay, perfect. And everybody, it's M A R R two R's. Um, Thanks so much for being here. It was great having you on, and good luck with The Strangers We Know. Everybody, it comes out May 1st, but if you are part of Amazon First Reads, you can get it now. So thanks so much for being here, Elle. It was great meeting you. Thanks very much, Lisa. It was my pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Booklight. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.